This episode is brought to you by MeBank, the bank built and supported by industry super funds. Ever wondered about getting a better deal on your home loan? Well, it might be time to get in touch with MeBank. Whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a loan that's right for you with competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So stop wondering and start saving. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now here's the show. One thing that I strive to do is only spend time on creating passive income streams. And I want to build up a portfolio where through from the rent and then also from the increase of the properties, I'm generating wealth without putting time into that. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shump and in this episode, we're speaking with founder of the Mortgage Channel, Michael Shah, a conservative investor with an aggressive portfolio. He will reveal how you can use a safe approach to accumulate more for your portfolio and how you can make your money work for you and not work for your money. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. So, to begin with, what does Shah do in any given day? In any given day, it's probably just working with the banks mostly. Um, uh, taking client phone calls, working with the banks, having Skype calls with their with clients, mapping out their investment journey. Um, so, I mean, a lot of people come to me for the investment advice. So, I find a lot of clients when they first start out, they've got very, very similar questions in terms of where they should be buying, what types of properties they should be buying, what strategies that they should be using. So, a lot of the time, I help them down that process, kind of nut out, And it's definitely not one size fits all. For some clients, maybe one type of strategy works really well. And then for another client, it's a completely different strategy. So we work on that a lot. And then also on the flip side, I do the mortgage broking side of things. So in terms of the financial aspect, how does that tie in? And how I like to work is actually I get to know your goal. So what your goal is, what you're trying to achieve. And everyone has slightly different goals. And basically then just map the financial side of things to reach the goals. With his own large portfolio, Shah specializes in growing clients' portfolios by the dozens rather than twos or threes. Yeah, so my mortgage business is really kind of just built up through my journey as a property investor. Um, I've had quite a few people come to me asking for help in terms of building out their portfolio and that's what I specialize in. I specialize in property investors that are looking to build out their property portfolio. So, you know, people that are looking to grow five, 10, 15 properties as opposed to just one or two. And these are the types of investors that I specialize in. So very similar to what I've achieved, I just help other people do the same. Despite this impressive portfolio, Shah doesn't actually love property itself, but rather uses it as a vehicle to his success. And then, I mean, for me, it's like, you know, property investing is a vehicle, um, you know, like 
the property itself, I've got no fascination with it. But the only reason why I do this is what it can allow you to do. So when someone becomes clear in terms of what they really want to do, then the property piece makes a lot more sense. Um, you see a lot of investors out there, they buy one or two properties, but then they don't progress beyond that. And I think the key reason for that is they haven't linked how those properties get them closer to their goals. And a lot of the time, the one or two properties that they bought actually don't take them to their goals. If anything, it takes them further away and that's why they stop. So that's why knowing what your goal is, knowing how the property ties into that goal is critical. When you can make that linkage between the goal and also the property, then you'll definitely accelerate and progress a lot faster. A man of contradictions, Shah isn't the rapid risk taker that his portfolio will lead you to believe. I would actually say I'm actually quite conservative. <laughs> um, I would say if you were speaking to someone off you know, the street or maybe just telling them the story that, oh, look, you bought 12 properties in two years and you're sitting on 16 properties with loans you know, in excess of over $3 million, they would actually think that you're very risky um, and that you've done it very, very aggressively. On the contrary, I actually think I'm quite conservative. Why I say that is... I go through a lot of due diligence checks in terms of what types of properties that I buy. I personally only buy properties that I see in person. They have to set a whole, they have to meet a whole bunch of metrics that I put in place, and only if they cover all of those do I then buy it. So from that perspective, I think the types of properties that I buy, I feel I'm actually quite conservative. Um, in terms of as an investor, um, generally, investing for me is very simple. I just have two rules that I follow. For the properties that I pick. One is it needs to pay for itself. So after all your expenses, it needs to be positive or at the very least neutral. And the second one is I just buy as close to a CBD as I can. So I guess if you ask me what type of investor I am, I'm just those two. As long as it fits those two categories, then I'm looking, okay, sure, maybe I'll consider buying that property. Shah also plays the long game. Rather than the quick buy, renovate, sell strategy, he opts for the safer and longer route. Okay. So in terms of um, across the board, it will be buy and hold because I feel buy and hold is what creates wealth. Uh, property is not an overnight game. Uh, I know some people are in the game of flipping. I don't really like flipping because I feel that that's active income. One thing that I strive to do is only spend time on creating passive income streams. And I want to build up a portfolio where through from the rent, and then also from the increase of the properties, I'm generating wealth without putting time into that. So that's why I don't really believe in the flipping business because you're bound for time. In terms of then, you know, whether it's buy, hold, renovate, pull out equity, it really then just depends on what strategy and also what you're lacking resources. And we can probably chat about it in a little bit more detail later. But in investing, there's only two resources that investors use. One is how much equity, how much savings that you have. And the other is how much servicing, how much borrowing capacity the banks will allow you. So whichever resource that you have is limiting, then spend all your time tackling that. So there were times when I was purely a buy, renovate, pull out equity, move on to the next one investor. There were other times where I was just purely buy and hold, but looking for very good rental returns. So I would say across the board, yes, absolutely buy and hold. But the strategy within that evolves over time, depending on what your limiting resource is. As a young Chinese migrant, Shah quickly grew accustomed to the Australian lifestyle and even fell in love with one of our favourite sports, touch football. I was born in China, came to Australia when I was seven years old, came to Sydney 
Um, and all my interests were like, you know, Australian interests, whether it was cricket, playing touch football, rugby, those types of interests. So I guess that's where the Aussie accent comes from. <laughs> so most of the time, I mean, funnily enough, when I came to Australia, I grew up in Eastwood. And those of your listeners from Sydney would know that Eastwood at the moment is a very Asian, Korean, Chinese community. But when I started out in Eastwood Primary School, there was only one other Chinese person in the entire grade. And in all of Eastwood, there was only one Chinese grocery store. So you can see how much that has changed. So grew up in Sydney, had my schooling in Sydney, um, spent my whole life in Sydney, in fact. And um, it's only recently in the last two years that I moved up to the Gold Coast for business reasons. Over the years, Shah's quiet home suburb has followed the rest of Sydney with house prices skyrocketing to over $1 million. And it's, I mean, you know, kind of looking back in terms of, uh, I mean, we all know that Sydney in the last couple of years has had an amazing growth from the property front. But if you look back through that entire time and I tell people the story, it's like my parents bought their first unit in East of 410000 and sold it 470000 and thought they were doing really, really well. And then you compare it to today, like how much the prices have gone up. So yeah, definitely there's been a lot of changes. As a young adult, Shah's goals could have been further from property investment. No, I, I definitely can't say that I was always interested in, in um, investing. I think when I was young, my interests were sport. Spent a lot of time playing table tennis and also touch football. Touch football was actually one of the main reasons why I got into investing too because I wanted to have more time to play touch football. Oh, nice. Um and then apart from that, you know, I just spent all my youth either playing computer games or like card games. So I had no real interest in investing. I would say my parents definitely had an influence. Um, they were always of the mentality that save your money, use that wisely, use it to invest. But their idea of investing is very, very different to kind of our idea of investing. Their idea of investing was almost buy a house and pay it off. Mm-hmm. But at least they were kind of pointing you towards that idea that, yes, owning assets was the correct thing to do. So my parents were always in my ear when I was growing up going, look, save your money when you have enough money, go and buy a property. But once you bought that property, go and save up for another five or 10 years and buy another property. So that was a push that they gave me and they kind of encouraged that. Uh, but it wasn't until a little bit later when I was around 28 that I actually found property investing more seriously going through, you know, reading a couple of internet forums, speaking to other more experienced investors. That's actually when it opened up my eyes to what's actually possible in investing. Prior to property investing, Shah had several jobs, but none that he ever really wanted to do. Yeah, so um, went to school. I went to a pretty good high school. Um, um, Academically, it was a very, very good school. Um, but I was one of those kids that never knew what I wanted to do. So um, when I went to uni, I did commerce because commerce had a very, very broad range in terms of what you could do afterwards. But even then, like studying didn't really interest me um, and actually took me eight years to finish my undergrad degree. So commerce, as you know, is a three-year degree and I didn't graduate until I was 25. So that entire time, I was just really looking for what I really wanted to do. And um, even going through, like, ever since I was 19, I've been working full-time and worked through corporate, worked in market research for 10 years, actually. I was in the corporate world for 10 years. But during that time, I was always trying to discover what I really wanted to do. And it wasn't until I was 28 and I found property investing that I really find, okay, this is what I was meant to do. So I guess, yeah, eventually everyone finds what they really want to do. The most interesting part of property investing is that everyone discovers it in their own time, whether you're 18 or 58. 
and Shah realized it's never too late to start. I mean, on the flip side, I do come across a lot of clients and, you know, you've spoken to one of my um, clients who's becoming also a mortgage broker, Taku, who found it a lot earlier than I did. I've come across people that at 21, 22 are very, very switched on and thinking about their future, about putting in the seeds now to then, you know, when they hit 30, 35, they're well and truly financially free. Mm. Um, but I feel that everyone discovers that in their own time. Um, I've got some people that are finding that in their 40s, in their 50s, other people in their 20s. I think everyone then, you know, in terms of that side of setting up for the future, everyone comes across that in their own time. Coming up after the break, we'll hear about Shah's first property. It was a good learning experience. But, you know, um, there was a lot of things through that deal and through the process that I went through that I wouldn't have done again. As well as the current value of his portfolio. I would say it will be in excess of $5 million. And the property that refused to be fixed. And I would get calls from the neighbors, from the police saying your property is getting trashed. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, a different kind of bank built and supported by industry super funds. You could be getting a better deal on your home loan by getting in touch with MeBank. They offer competitive rates in two loan types, one with a range of features including the ability to fix your rate and have multiple offset accounts and another that's nice and simple with no ongoing fees. Both loans provide the flexibility of interest only or principal and interest. So whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a home loan that's right for you. Stop wondering and start saving by giving MeBank a call on 131563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the show. Hey podcast listeners, are you enjoying listening to these stories and want more? Then head over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email. Just one of the many benefits of being part of this community. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, their strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinvestory.com to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. Charles' property investment story began with discovering another successful property investor, Nathan Birch from Be Invested. Yeah, so the person that got me started and it was actually through his story that I became very fascinated in investing and I'm sure many of your um, um, listeners will know of him is actually Nathan Birch. So mm-hmm. Nathan Birch um, runs Being Invested. He has a really, really good YouTube channel and I still remember sitting down one weekend discovering that YouTube channel and literally watched all 100 videos. And I was blown away. I'm like, how is this even humanly possible? So to put it into perspective, I was 28 at the time and he was 27 and he has 75 properties. And I'm like, that is not possible. So then I tried to do everything I could to learn in terms of how that was possible. When Shah met Nathan in person, it only made him more determined to become even more successful. And I know when I um, kind of met up with him, I had two properties and prior to then, I thought I was doing pretty well. I mean, you know, some of my other friends didn't have anything. Mm. So I thought I was killing it until then, you know, you see his story and puts that into perspective. So I would say that that was the catalyst in terms of making me delve more into property investing. Um, I bought actually my third property through from him. And then after that, I did everything myself 
in terms of then the research, searching for the properties and so on and so forth. So he was the one that kind of opened up my eyes to push me in that direction. And then afterwards, I'm like, okay, this is what's possible. And then I started then doing a lot of that myself. Shah used Birch's service to purchase his third property, but it wasn't exactly the perfect property. Okay, so I would say that at the beginning, when you go into the journey, you feel that buyer's agents have a silver bullet, or that's what I believed. And also that when you first go into it, there's a lot of things that you can't learn. Um, and it purely just comes down to a confidence factor. Mm. Um, the property that he bought me was actually in a town in Nambucca Heads. Um, I don't know. Do you know where Nam- Nambucca is? Yes. Yes, I do know where that is. Yeah. It's, yep. So, it's. I mean, for your listeners, it's five hours north of Sydney, uh, very close to Coffs Harbour. And the two people that go there is either they're retired, very, very nice. It's like God's country up there or you're on the pension or, you, or you're on the dole. So from an investment, from a demographic, from a growth perspective, if I had my time again, I personally wouldn't put my money there. Mm. So it was a good learning experience. But, you know, um, there was a lot of things through that deal and through the process that I went through that I wouldn't have done again. Um, But it also kind of threw me in the deep end in terms of, okay, now this is actually for real. You are buying these renovators that need a lot of work. That property had termite damage, actually needed a lot of work. And I actually ended up project managing all of that myself. And through that process, actually gave me the confidence then to move forward. If I had my time again, I probably would have put that money up in Brisbane um, in 2013. It would actually would have done a lot better. But in hindsight, it was a very, very good experience. So it kind of taught me in terms of some of the key fundamentals that I kind of um, follow today in the sense that if you're buying a property, make sure it's in the key fundamental area. Don't buy five hours north of Sydney in a country town, it doesn't have its growth drivers. Buy somewhere that's, you know, 20, 30 kilometers from CBD. In the long term, you'll do a lot better. These experiences obviously taught Shah something important as over the next few years, his portfolio jumped from three properties to 16. I know that it was in a magazine after I had just left work and in that magazine, it was quoted at 4.1 million. Yep. Now, I picked up two more properties since then and I haven't had any of the properties valued. So, I would say it will be in excess of 5 million. What, you know, if it's 5.5 or whatever it is, I don't know. I haven't got it valued since then. Um, Come July this year, I'll get everything revalued, pull out the equity and then I'll go on to my next buying phase. But I will say it's around there. Um, Yeah. That's great. Uh, In in terms of the property itself, um, the portfolio itself, I've got two units in Sydney. I've got two houses in Newcastle. I've got the one um, in Nambucca Heads, so that's my five in New South Wales. And the other 11 is in Queensland, mainly around the Logan area. Despite his belief that the best place to buy is closest to the Sydney CBD, he couldn't find anything suitable. So, Shah decided that the next best thing would be to buy in Brisbane. For me, it really came down to my goals. And that's why I say the goals are so important because it really dictates where you buy. So when I started the investing um, and also knowing what my goals were, the key goal that I put for myself was to quit work. Mm. I didn't really enjoy my corporate role at the time and that just added more fuel in terms of me wanting to escape corporate, have enough of a recurring income stream where I could have that flexibility to do whatever I want. At that time, I never wanted to become a mortgage broker. I actually didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just wanted to have that choice. You know, that choice might have even been to play more touch football. <laughs> yeah. But I just wanted more choice at the time. 
And I looked at many, many different areas to buy. And again, coming back to those two rules, I wanted to find somewhere where it was positively geared and also it was close to a CBD. And I looked around Sydney at that time, around 2014, Sydney was booming. I definitely couldn't find it in Sydney. Melbourne was similar and Brisbane was the next largest city. And Brisbane, you could buy 30 kilometers south of Brisbane or, or um, even north for that matter. And you could pick up properties with 7 to 8% rental return around the $300,000 mark. And every single property I picked up there after all expenses, positive income-wise, was putting about three to $4,000 in my back pocket. So I was like, these meet my goals. And also, it helps me closer to quitting work. Then why not just buy a number of these? And then when I started picking up one, then two, then three, everyone that I picked up, I saw I was getting closer to my goal. And that's when it really made sense. And I just kept on buying one after the other until then, yeah, I could finally quit work. And it was funny, like the day that I handed in my resignation at work was when my 14th property settled. On settlement day, I had my hand, the resignation letter ready and I was like, see you later. No matter how hard you try to play it safe, property investing always comes with its risks. The risks usually are a loan in the market, an insufficient loan or a poor property choice. As Shah discovered, another unexpected risk can be the deliberate destruction of the property. So at that time, I, have, I was just starting out. It wasn't very clear to me that this was actually the path that I wanted to go down. And I feel that every investor will come across this, whether it's on your first property, second property, or on your fourth property, or even later, you will get tested. So I'll tell you what happened. So I had bought this property in Newcastle. Um, it was in a town suburb called Cardiff. And I picked it up for 225000 um, which is really, really cheap because mm. the suburb average at that time for Cardiff was, you know, around about 330000 340000 um, And I bought it um, from uh, the um, the family that lived there before were actually hoarders. So they had five, six cars in the backyard. There was a boat there. The house was in terrible condition. And I knew a lot of it was cosmetic. So if I could fix a lot of those issues, then I could then increase the value of the property. Now, when I first started out, it wasn't very good project managing. I bought the property around October and it actually settled very, very close to Christmas. So after it settled, I couldn't get any builders through, couldn't get any quotes through. Everyone had closed down. So it was vacant for literally about one or two months. Oh, okay. And during that time, um, the kids that used to live in that property actually got back into the property and they absolutely destroyed the property. And I'm talking about taking a sledgehammer to the property. <laughs> so I've got some photos and it's like by the time that they had finished with it, there was more holes and wars. Jeez. And during that time, we didn't know who was doing it. The police was getting caught every second day because the kids would do a bit of damage, leave, come back the next day, do a little bit more. And I would get calls from the neighbors, from the police saying, your property is getting trashed. And I was all the way in Sydney. And literally for about a month there, I couldn't sleep. Um, every day I was like, frick, my property will get damaged. Um, and that process was actually very, very trying. Um, I actually didn't know how to really get out of it. But eventually the police came very close to catching the kids. They almost got them. But they saw that they were in the school uniforms um, and, and then also identify which school that they were in. And we kind of called the school and kind of put, you know, um, notice to them. And after that, they actually stopped. And during that process, I was actually very, very close to quitting. 
because the property hadn't been renovated. It was going to cost a lot more than I had originally anticipated to get it fixed up. I think originally I had a quote at about twenty to thirty thousand, but by the time they had finished with it, it was more like fifty, sixty, seventy. Gosh. So at that point, I was very, very close to packing it in. But the only thing that got me through was actually my desire to quit work, whether to put up with what I was going through with that property or to put up with what was going through work. I'm like, actually, I'll um, get over this, fix up the property, and then that will get me closer to quitting work. So once I got through it, it was actually a very, very good story in the end because insurance came to the party. I actually got paid out for all the damages. And in the end, the renovation still cost me the same that I would. And the end product was very, very good. So in the end, I, I, renovation-wise, was probably about 38000 40000 that I had to put in myself. And the property got valued over 330000 Despite the sleepless nights, Shah's worst investment moment still ended happily. That's right. And the property got rented out at 440. So, you know, there was a couple of key takeouts for me from going through that. One, how important your goal is because when you get tested, it's actually the goal that pulls you through. But if your goal isn't strong enough and you're like, frick, why am I even doing this? Then a lot of people actually just pack it in at that point. A couple of other key takeouts for me was get good insurance. Some people, they're like, oh, actually, this other insurer is $100, $200 cheaper. Do not skimp on insurance. I skimp on a lot of things, but insurance isn't one of them. Another key one that I have now is don't have the settlement close to Christmas. If you're settling close to Christmas, one, you're not going to find tenants, you're not going to find tradies during that time. So really, you know, project manage that thing, um, that settlement time quite closely. So there was a lot of key takeouts from it. Um, but that's like with all properties. Every time you go through one, you have a lot of learnings and then you just become a little bit savvier for the next one. For Shah, the aha moment of his investment journey was not related to wealth or growing his portfolio. It was discovering his mentor, Rolf Latham, who would guide him through his journey. I would say it's, I mean, I guess it's not really kind of a specific deal, but it was actually, so how I managed to go down this path was actually speaking to and finding my mortgage broker, who also became my mentor, Rolf Latham. Um, and the aha moment was actually when he linked what I was trying to achieve to my goals. Because I've spoken to other mortgage brokers prior to then, and like you said at the top of this um, call, that they were very transactional. Every mortgage broker I spoke to, they were like, yep, I can get you another 500000 I can you know, get you another 600000 for the next purchase, and that was it. He was actually the very... Well, the first and the only mortgage broker I spoke to was like, don't worry about the um, loans, don't worry about the structure, but what do you actually want to get from this? What are you trying to achieve? And that's when when he delved a little bit deeper because at first my answer was very generic, oh, I want to make money from investing. But, you know, money can be 10000 100000 could be a couple of million. It's really what you're trying to achieve that's behind that. And when we delved a little bit further, it was I wanted to quit work. And it was when he had highlighted that goal that everything made sense. And all we did after that was he then illustrated in terms of from a structural financial perspective how I could get there. And he was savvy enough from the lending space to show me that, okay, I was on two properties, but he could then get the loans and also the structure in place to help me to get to 12. We ultimately got to 14, but when we had first that very first meeting and he mapped it out for me, he actually got me to 12. 
And essentially that was the aha moment because then finally I connected with what I wanted to achieve and property investing. And then for the next two years, I essentially just executed his model and his plan. So it was really meeting Rolf and his approach to mortgage broking, goal setting and property investing that got me across the line and opened up my eyes to what's possible. Because everyone else I've spoken to before then, it was like, well, here's your 400000 for the next property. That to me didn't really mean anything, but he then approached it from a completely different angle. Today, Shah is most excited about reaching his goals. I would say at the moment, it's reaching your goals through property investing. Investing is just a vehicle. My biggest philosophy, and I kind of mentioned it before too, is you want to create multiple streams of recurring income. You know, whether it's through the rental or the properties increasing in value without you putting your time there, maybe it's through dividends and shares, maybe through it's your business income. But ultimately, what you want to be doing is creating multiple streams of income because the one thing that everyone is limited in life is time. If you had more time than everyone else, then you can go out and make more money. But unfortunately, we're all given only 24 hours in a day. And the only way you can break free of that is to make making money independent of time and recurring stream of income allow you to do that. So I guess for me personally, what I'm excited about is setting up multiple streams of income. Then you have that choice. At the moment, I love the mortgage broking business. I love helping other people go down this journey. Later down the track, I might have a different passion. Then I'll explore that. But what the recurring stream of income allows you to do is have that choice. So that's what I'm working towards at the moment. And that's what I'm excited about. So inspired by this story and what Michael Shah is excited about today, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode on Property Investory where we talk about how to apply his strategy. I will look at properties that improve their servicing or add to it a little bit more than they would otherwise. We'll also hear the best advice that Shah has to offer. Generally, it's not really about where you're buying. It's actually more about the deal. And the book that Shah wants everyone else to read. Okay, if there's one book that I would say is a must read, it's actually Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. We'll hear all that and much more in a future episode of Property Investory. To get the full transcript and see the show notes, visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Thanks for listening. If you love the show and you're ready to get serious about saving on your home loan, give MeBank a call. MeBank is the bank built by industry super funds, famous for their competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find the loan that's right for you. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply.